Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Holman, and you are listening to the Save from Death podcast. Over the next several episodes, I am going to try to share with you um, a bit of a testimony. I'm going to tell you what God has been doing in my life and um, and how he's accomplished it. And in the process of, the process of that, try to explain to you um, of what I mean when I talk about being saved from death. Um, it's been an ongoing process. It's been going on for 20 years now in my life, and I'd like to share with you um, how, how God has accomplished that and what exactly I mean when I, when I speak of being saved from death. Um, in this first episode, though, before I really get into the heart and soul of some of the things I'd like to share, I, I want to go over a few subjects, um, and they are, I, I want to look at um, the subject of the will of God. I want to look at the subject of righteousness and the subject of sin. And I want to look at then why death is the wages. Death is the result of sin. Um, before I get started, though, let me um, say a few things, if you'll bear with me. Um, first of all, there's no real notes or anything with what I'm doing. There's a few things on my heart uh, in my mind that I want to say. Or I know uh, where I want to go, but I, I, I don't honestly have the patience to sit down and write it all out and really take notes. I just kind of trust that when I sit and push the record button that it'll flow out of me the way it's meant to flow. Um, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it can be a total disaster. But at the end of the day, let me say this as well, that um, I'm a man who believes salvation is of the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. Um, and if you'll be patient, I'll get into what I salvation is at a later time. But for now, let me say salvation is of the Lord. What that means from start to finish, it's his work. From start to finish, when, when God sets out to save a man, God does everything, absolutely everything. There is not a single uh, effort the man contributes of his own. It is God and God's work alone. And so now that I know this and understand this and really do believe this, um, I, I, I guess I'm trying to say I, um, you're going to hear a lot of flaws in a man who, who's speaking to you, you're going to hear a lot of, um, a little bit of rambling, a little bit of uh, not being able to get his thoughts out as, as well as he would like. But at the end of the day, I know that's okay. And I know because it's salvations of the Lord. And what that means is if God by chance wants to use this for the sake of someone else to hear and to learn, and for the sake of him calling them into the same salvation he's been calling me, then it's God who's going to do the work. And it, it, he's not going to work really because of me. He's going to work in spite of me. And and he's going to work in a way where once it's all said and done, and maybe 20 years from now, I, I don't think your journey would take 20 years as mine has. But when your salvation begins to near its day of completion, you look back over your life and you can see every detail that there was not one area of it that of your salvation process that was of yourself. And you'll look back to the very beginning, to the first day maybe you listened to, let's say this is a season God was going to get ready to really begin the work uh, of saving you as he's been in the process of saving me. And so, you know, years from now you look back and you say, wow, that first day I listened to Jason Holman speak, you know, um, that day I was drawn to listen, you know, that day I was compelled to listen, but now I go back 20 years and listen to what he said. And it's like, I can't fathom what in the world did I see in this guy? What drew me to this boring, um, you know, speech of his, 
And you'll know that it was God himself, that it wasn't some that I'm exciting to listen to, that I'm a good speaker, that I, that I, you know, I'm good at conveying my thoughts, but it's that God himself actually by his Holy Spirit was in you and he was thumping you on the head and he was working in your heart saying, listen, listen, listen. And he was giving you an excitement. He was giving you the ability to see past every bit, uh, you know, every flaw that's coming out of me right now, every bit of stuttering and stammering, every bit of, of, of losing my train of thought. And in spite of all that, you still hear, you're still listening, not, not passively, but aggressively with a, the whole world has stopped around you. And, um, and if by chance, you know, that has happened, then you, you, you it, it, it's going to be of the spirit of God. There'll be no credit be able to, there, God will leave no avenue for man to receive the credit. You will not be able to look back and say, well, yeah, you know, I listened to Jason Holman speak, but that's because he, you know, he was just so captivating. He was so amazing. He was, God's going to say, no, absolutely not. God's going to make it clear. Salvation was of me. And it's very, it's a very important detail of our salvation to actually know it is of God. Um, and I'll explain those things later. Uh, right now, I'm just, you know, saying, uh, using terms like salvation, salvations of the Lord, and I'm not really explaining what any of that means, but we will get there. Um, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I'm a flawed man. I'm not a very patient guy. To sit down and write out notes and to really then try to stick with them, just, you know, thought of that's exhausting. So I got to trust, come out here, click the record button on my little um, digital recorder and kind of my low, my budget uh, recording setup. And trust that if this is of God in any way for me to speak to others, that God himself is going to, he's going to make up the difference of all my flaws. And so where I'm not exciting, where I am just, um, you know, can ramble and can be as boring as to be to listen to, you're not going to hear that. You're going to hear somebody that's, you know, exciting to listen to, but it's going to be God. It's going to be his spirit making up the difference uh, of drawing you and beginning the same work he started in my life. Now, is that going to happen with anyone? Is there going to be anybody listens to this and that work begin? I don't know. You know, I, I would say based on past history, I have my doubts. I've had this podcast, um, this, what do we call it? It's a web hosting or it's an audio, it's a place I can host my audio files, upload them to the cloud, and then they provide the, uh, the resources where then I, I can share that with others. And so they provide all the format and stuff. So I could, um, basically you can find these audio files and, and you can play them yourself at any time. They, the, I, I pay for that. And, uh, I've been paying for that now. It's like hundred, $110 a year for, I think this is my third or probably my third year of doing so. And honestly, you know, I've, I probably had five five different people, maybe five, maybe 10 at the most actual different people who have ever come to listen to anything I've shared. Now, I don't really have a place to, um, I'll be honest, I don't have a place to really promote this. I don't have the drive to promote it. I'm not out there trying to get the whole world to know, hey, I have this this podcast place. Uh, the only avenue I really have is Facebook among some of my friends and family. But uh, but out of sharing it there, you know, in the early days, there's a few people maybe would stop in and listen. You, you know that because you can look at, um, or... I have a thing called stat counter. It doesn't give much information. It just lets you know that, you know, there was somebody that did listen. Um, or you don't know if they listened all the way through. You just know they kind of clicked on it and it was at least there for a little bit. Um, but anyway, I haven't had, you know, over the years of speaking, it's not, it kind of comes and goes. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be times in my life where I'll come out, and record two or three episodes 
um, driven, thinking, man, God wants me to speak. God wants me to share what he's doing in my life. But then what's always happened is without fail, you know, nobody really comes and listens. And uh, it, it just, it sits there dead. And it's only gotten more so over the past few episodes. Last episode um, was several months back. And it's like, man, I knew that I knew that <laughs> this was going to be the one that God was going to possibly, you know, shake the world with. And lo and behold, not one person, not one other than my wife and me listened to it. Okay. That I do get enough information to know that the only people that came that even clicked into my um podcast uh, the save from death.com um would be the the web address that takes you there you know i i can look see not one single person came and that was with sending out even some special invitations to some people through email and through text and not one person come to listen and so and that's kind of been the norm but don't 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 feel sorry for me don't think i'm sad about that i'm actually glad about that because uh, what's always happened in the process of this need to speak that's come over me these past few years what happens is I think, you know, God compels me to speak thinking, Jason, you know, I need you to share this with the world. But what's really happening is, and that gives me the drive to come out and talk and, and share some of these things. In the process of doing that, though, what always happens is something changes even in my understanding. I come to a new place of understanding as I'm in the process of sharing it. And not only that, then I'll, a few weeks later, I'll look back and I'll almost be, I'll be thrilled that no one listened because like, I'll understand that was so incomplete. That was so lacking the fullness of what God, you know, in that two weeks time, he teaches me more. He builds on what he had, he had taught me before. And I realized, whoa, I am so glad people weren't listening. People weren't coming and trusting what I was saying as some sort of truth when it was so incomplete. And so that's been the norm. There has not been, like I said, there's probably, I don't think I'm exaggerating. There's probably 10 would be the, it, let's say 15 to be the most, because I, I, I don't want to uh, be exaggerating in any way. 15 would certainly be the most unique people, unique, different people who have ever come and um, clicked in and, and listened to um, anything I've recorded. But uh, over the past couple of years, it hasn't been that. It's been maybe just one or two, um, and I have no idea who they are, where they'd be from, and if they listened through the entire uh, episodes or not. And um, and so I would say probably, and maybe they did, maybe, it wouldn't surprise me if not, because, you know, like I said, this isn't real exciting to listen. It's exciting for me to speak. I, I need to do this. I'm compelled to do this. This is good. This is refreshing for me. But for you, the listener, if God's not drawing you, if there is no spirit of Him saying, "Hey, hey, hey, listen," then um, then it's it, it's going to just be good grief, Jason Holman. Shut up. And, and let me say, if that is you right now, if that's your feeling, please please don't. If by chance you're here over any kind of guilt or obligation towards me, please shut this off right now. Because it's not going to accomplish anything productive, even if you did listen to it. It would actually be counterproductive. And maybe later I can try to explain um, what I'd mean by that. But um, it, it's really not going to bear any fruit. So there's nothing to be gained. If you're bored, if you're just doing this out of some sort of obligation you feel towards me, please do not do so. Turn it off now. It would embarrass me. It would make me feel ashamed to think that somebody was subjecting themselves to something they didn't want to do just to kind of appease me. So, so if that's you, please, please just shut this off now. And if not, you're in the other camp and there's some weird, you know, um, 
desire to listen. There's a desire to, um, to, to be here and you're finding yourself just in spite of me and maybe my ramblings, you're hungry to be here, you know, take note of that. Cause that's probably not of yourself. There's a good chance that is of the creator, especially if you're here, you know, if you're one, somebody from Facebook and you, you're, you're here, you saw me share it there and you're here listening. Well, let me tell you, I've shared many things on Facebook and I can tell you nobody's ever, um, hardly ever clicked in or even taken a second glance. So if by chance, you know, you're, you've noticed it and you're here and you're actually listening. Well, that's a very unique thing to, to happen. Um, and, and it's probably, it's very different. There, there's something different than going on right now than there was before. So if you're in that camp uh, of people by any chance at all, then, you know, take note of that, that you're listening and, and every, the world around you stopped and you want to be here. Well, then there's a good chance you want to be here because there is a, a, a God of the universe right now working inside you, making you want to be here, that it's not of yourself. Um, and that was true in my life. Uh, you know, I don't want to go get in too much to any history of my life at this point, but, um, you know, when God's work, you know, he's been working my whole life from the day I was born, but it really began to really intensify 29, uh, at age 29, which is almost 20 years ago. Now, uh, he began to call me and really began to draw me and start this, um, major work of salvation, there were certain speakers I would listen to. There were sermons that, that I was listening to at the time. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't ever because the speakers were so exciting. It wasn't because they were so amazing. I, I see now what it was. The reason it was God who first brought those speakers into my life through the Internet or through whatever means they were introduced to me. It was God who set up those encounters. Then it was God who opened my heart, who, who you know, set that fire in me to listen with zeal and, and so that their words would hit into my heart. That was God. It didn't just happen because I was just a good listener because I, I liked listening to sermons just for the fun of it. It was God himself who was, who was doing that great work. And so I do get to look back over my life and I can see clearly, you know, it was never man. It was never, there's no credit to man. There's no credit to me that, that I like just listening to sermons for the fun of it. That was not the case. Um, and I can't say, wow, these men are super, um, spiritual they were they were they were so amazing that that's not the case either one man spoke into my life kind of at the very 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 beginning of all of this it's a man today i i think of just kind of a you know i don't look on him real favorably um i, I don't want to use any super harsh words or anything against him he's just not somebody i look on with any sort of admiration at all as a good person but um god used his words at the forward of a book he had written and years ago i'd picked up and as my wife was reading the forward of this book, just a small couple paragraphs, that was the moment God seized my heart and began, grabbed me as never before, and started a process. So God used words from a man that today I just, you know, I have no regard for at all. But it doesn't matter about the man. It's what God wants to do and how God's going to do it. And that'll always be the case. And that's when you come to the start to come towards an end of a process of salvation in your life, <laughs> you see why that's so important. Um, it's not just because God says, I want to glory for it just because I want to glory for it. There's a very specific reason he wants to glory for it. And, and the very nature of our salvation requires that it be of the Lord and of the Lord alone. There, there's no place in it for us to take credit or to give credit to man. That would actually nullify the very thing God is trying to save us from. Um, and, and 
I know those are vague, just very blanket statements, um, but I, I, I will make some sense of that as time goes on in future episodes if, you, if by chance you want to stay with me and continue to listen. Um, and so let me see if there's any other things I just kind of want to cover. Um, I don't think so. Just kind of let you know that I, I am aware you know, of all my shortcomings, but I do trust that, that God... Um, you know, that that it's actually not even God designs it that way. He's going to design me to have shortcomings. He always has, he, he always designed, he calls the weak, he calls the, the, the unimpressive so that there is no chance that man gets the glory. And it's so wonderful. It's so, he's so wise in what he does. And it, it's just, uh, uh, it's amazing how he worked out the salvation that we need and, and how he brings it to pass in his wisdom. Um, and so, I think that's all I need to say right now, just kind of at the beginning here. Um, so let me go ahead and get into the, you know, heart and soul of, of today's. What There's some things I just want to talk about. And um, I want to say first, I'm not trying to convince those who will not believe what I'm saying. That That's not my goal. Somebody who's not going to believe, you know, or somebody... Uh, that that's not my goal to fight to make you believe that's not my calling that's not something i have any energy to do so what you won't hear you know is a whole lot today a whole lot of scriptural references a whole lot of just trying to show you how this is true and try to yell and scream and get you to take note of what i'm saying no i'm i'm here to speak to those who by chance if god has appointed some to believe um you know and and their hearts are ready to believe I'm speaking to them, to those who are going to believe. I'm not trying to convince those who don't, who are, who won't. Um, and so that's why you're not going to see a lot of fight. You're not going to see a lot of, so somebody, if you're saying, well, I need more evidence. I want you to, you know, really prove this. I have no interest in trying to prove it. Okay. That's just not that, that comes later. That'll come, you know, uh, I know what I know. I know who's taught me what I understand. Uh, I have no doubts about what I'm saying. I just, I don't, didn't have the patience to sit down and go get every scriptural reference or try to really establish this through scripture. Um, at least for this episode. And so, but it's with confidence knowing, you know, if God has somebody that's here to believe, then they're going to be hungry for these words. These words are going to be words of life. And I know what I'm getting ready to say. Um, They would have been words of life to me had someone spoken them 20 years ago. I believe even before that, I think they would have been words of life. I think I was always hungry to hear these things. Um, And yet, no, there was no man speaking them. God had to bring these things to me himself, which is, you know, probably on purpose. It's kind of, I think, possibly got to be that way. But uh, had someone spoke them, I know I sure would have been hungry to have heard them. I wouldn't have needed them to justify them or try to prove it. I just needed somebody to to have spoken these words, and my heart would have been so relieved to have heard them. I was hungry to hear them. Um and, and so I think if God has someone else like me in the same position I was in 20 years ago, you know, these are going to be words of life. These are going to be words that are going to go, ah, oh, that is the most beautiful, wonderful thing I've ever heard. And those who resist them, who have no interest in them, you know, it's going to be, you know, that's just terrible. And you can't prove a word you're saying, Jason. Uh, and it, it, it wouldn't matter, you know, what I would prove, what I would establish. It's, it, it's not going to affect you. You, you don't want, you know, to believe what it is I'd be sharing. So I'm not here to convince those who won't believe. I'm here simply to share with those who who might uh, by the grace and by the Spirit of God. Um, what I want to do today, I want to talk about the words um, 
I want to talk about sin, and I want to talk about righteousness. I want to talk about the will of God, and I want to talk about repentance and, and why sin leads to death and what that means. Um, and, and then I want to talk about, if I didn't say it yet, um, repentance and what real repentance looks like. Um, you know, we, we hear the word sin all the time. We're, we're taught we're all sinners and, and, um, you know, and there's, we got to repent of our sins and, and all we think of sin is just this list of do's and don'ts, this arbitrary list of do's and don'ts that God created. You know, we got to, we, we just don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And, um, you know, as a kid, it pretty much sounds like don't do anything you really want to do. If you want to do it, it's probably sin. Uh, and so only do things that you really don't, that are boring that you don't want to do and you, and you won't be in sin. Uh, and so we kind of see sin as just this list of do's and don'ts. It's like God's trying to be the spoiler of every man's fun. Um, <clears throat> but I want to tell you today kind of what sin really is and, and give you a real definition of it and, uh, and, and why sin is sin and then why sin, the wages of sin is death. Now I want to say, I hope I don't um, veer off too far in trying to say this and I hope I'm able to say it. <sighs> on the fly here. I didn't put a lot of thought into this, but it's important to know. Okay. Today I'm going to address probably more the aspect of death, talking about the actual fleshly death, our actual physical death to cease to exist. Pretty much go back to the state of before we were born. It's, you know, there's nothing and no death is going back to that place of no consciousness, no awareness, just, you know, nothing. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that aspect of death and attach sin to that aspect of death. But it's really important to understand because in the next few episodes, you're going to see me do a totally about face and focus on another aspect of death. And I say another, it's actually the more, it's certainly the more prominent aspect of death in scripture. And that is, it's, it's really, it's condemnation. It's not having a clear conscience before God. Um, we were designed in such a way it's written into our hearts. I don't want to say really in our DNA, it's written into our spirit. It is written into us, breathed into us by God that we have a desire to have a clear conscience between us and God. And when that clear conscience is presence present, there is life. You can't fail. It's the absolute, it's the total, uh, it's all the supply of joy and goodness and peace. When that, that confidence that we have peace with God, when we really have that confidence, it is life, and it is um, the most wonderful thing you can imagine. And that life then prevents us, really keeps us from all actual sin against our neighbor and sins um, in our own life and sins throughout this world. Um, and so that sense of so that sense of death condemnation is really what scripture is talking about that is the most dominant aspect of death it's living a life of of instead of having a clear conscience between you and god you have a, a defiled conscience you have a conscience that you're somehow in bad standing with him and you're needing to always always correct that and so that's the 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 main death of scripture that is really what the story is written about However, it is also, you know, it's very connected to our physical death and explaining, you know, we are going to die and we're going to die because we are sinners. And, and, um, and I want to explain, so we are going to have a physical death because we 
sin because we do things that are not of God's will. And I want to explain why that is and why that's not a bad thing and why it's, it, it's I mean, it's actually a good thing. It, it, it's, um, it, it's not a weird thing at all. It, it makes total sense. So, um, you know, we, we, if we try to think sin of just this list of do's and don'ts, this doesn't make sense. But when we really start to understand what sin really is in its most basic, basic form, Sin is just simply, or unrighteousness, is not doing the will of God, the desires of God. It's doing something that is contrary to what he desires. And therefore, the result of that is going to be grief. God is going to experience grief when you do this thing. He has a desire for you to do one thing. You're doing something else and that he does not desire, and that creates a conflict in his soul. And there is then grief with God. And he, there's frustration and there's anger. You're not doing what I designed you to do. So therefore, why would God, you know, he has a will for you. He has a desire for you. He has a purpose as your creator for making you. And yet you're not doing that purpose. You're doing something totally opposite of his desire. And therefore you have this contradiction between his desire versus the reality of what you're doing. And that leads to frustration. Why would God, who's a creator of all, subject himself to frustration? So God's answer for that is, you sin, you die. You know, you're out of my, you're not doing what I want. You're not bringing me the joy I created you to bring me. Guess what? You know, why would you think you're going to continue to exist? What, why do you think that that makes any sense at all? And so that's essentially, you know, when you look at sin, just first of all, in its most basic, um, definition, it's going to be not doing the will of God. Okay. Think of this in your own life. Think of this with your neighbors. Think of this. Um, you, you have a desire, you want somebody to do something and, um, and that they're not doing this thing you want them to do. There's frustration, there's aggravation, there's, you know, there's anger, uh, because they're not doing what you want them to do. Now I'm, first of all, us as humans, especially as humans that are under sin before salvation, the, the course of salvation that's run its course, we actually have, we like to control people just for our own sake. And so we have a will for people that is totally wicked. We actually want to control people just for the sake of control. We want to be worshiped. We want people to do things, just bow to us. We have vain desires and our will for others is nasty. Usually. Um, it, if is, but I'm speaking of talking about there, there's there's a nasty will we have for others. It's like we want them to do things kind of to show us respect so we feel better about ourselves. That That's a nasty, nasty, sinful, ugly will that God cannot even identify with. But we also have a very righteous will. All humans do. It's an expectation of our neighbors to really essentially just don't steal from us. Do not take what is mine. My time belongs to me. My thoughts belong to me. My, my, my time to be able to just sit and think of thoughts I want to think and enjoy the things I want to enjoy. That's my right. The, 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 the earth belongs to me as much as it belongs to you. I have the right for you to not defile this planet, to satisfy your own lust. I don't care if you own, think you own your own piece of property or not. The earth is the Lord's. I share this land with you. You do not have the right. I have the right to not expect you to, to not want you to destroy the planet I live on. I have the right, a, a, a will, that you not disturb the peace in my neighborhood. 
I have a will that, you know, when you get a dog, you take care of your dog and, and you, um, or any animal, you, you take good care of it. So I don't have to see that animal being neglected, but more than that, I don't have to hear then, you know, you get a dog and you're going to leave it out all day long, all night long, and you're going to let it bark and disturb the peace. And you're never going to, you know, give a second thought to anyone else's world, except your own little world. And therefore you leave people in frustration um, by your neglect, I have the right to not hear, you know, your dog bark all day and all night long. That is a reasonable will. Those are wills to, you know, just to be loved by my neighbor and by, by love. It's not you're proactively saying, oh, I love Jason. I want to. It's simply you're you're careful to not do things that, that take away from me things that are rightfully mine. Peace is rightfully mine. My time, you know, uh, the world is really bad of of you know we don't respect people's time we want them to come to our party we want people to answer our phone call we want people to accept our visits unannounced and we expect people to do this not knowing that's a form of theft i have the right to to you know to have my time respected and where if you knock on my door and you want to show up and i say hey i'm really not in the mood for any visitors right now you simply go oh okay you know you respect that or if you call and i don't want to answer you respect jason didn't want to answer that's his time he if he wants to spend his time doing something else that's totally his but we so i have the right a will that you not encroach on my time i have a will that you not disturb my peace that you i have a will that you be a good neighbor who doesn't you know, destroy the neighborhood, but by, by your way of your greedy way of life, you know, your needy way of life. And, um, so though that, that's a will that is fair and right. I want you to, it's not really, I want you to do anything. It's, I don't want you, there's things I want you to not do. I want you to not disturb the peace. I want you to not be obnoxious. I want you to not be an intrusion into my life and be demanding of me and put expectations on me that God did not create me to fulfill in your life. And so, but think of that. So then think of your, um, think of how you feel. We all have this. We all have a will, a, a positive, a good, righteous will of how we want to be treated. You know, if somebody bumps into our car, it's our will that they stop and they do the right thing. And if it's their fault, they admit to it and, and they let the insurance take care of it and, and they fess up to it. They make things right. That's a will. That's an expectation. And it's a valid expectation. But think of when someone doesn't do that. You know, they, they bump into your car. They know they did and they, they pull off. What do you feel? Aggravation, grief. Do you feel any favor towards that person? Do you feel any desire to do good towards that person? No, you 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 want them to. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? You have no favor. You have no kindness in your heart towards that person because what they did, no, was blatantly wrong. It went against your rightful will, and this is how it is with God. God only has. God does not have an expectant will. Um, I guess that's the word we'll use, or a outward will of demands. <clears throat> God did not create man to do anything for him. Positive, okay? God did not, I mean, to bring him joy, yes, but to actually physically and consciously say, God, God is not saying, I created you so, you know, you'll come, you'll be my lawn mowing man. You'll be the person that comes and gives me, rubs my feet. You'll give me back rubs. You'll be the person that cooks for me. That's my will. That's what I created you for. And I want you to do this. Um, and if you don't, then I'm not happy with you. You know, how terrible would that be? Unless, um, unless God 
still created you for that purpose. He created you to do that, but he actually gave you then the desire to do that so that doing it was totally natural, totally wonderful, and it was your place of joy, which I would believe is probably the case with the angels. They are more doers for God. They do the actual expectant will of God, his bidding, but they do it with delight. They do it with the same joy that I have when I'm just sitting out under a shade tree in my hammock reading a book, um, with my dogs beside me, uh, or listening to music or, um, you know, doing pretty much what I want to do and enjoying myself. The angels would have the same enjoyment doing the expectant will of God, because that's what they're designed to do. They're created to serve in a positive way. Um, humans were not humans are created to really do what they want to do. That is the place uh, the truth of what they want to do. Not what we want to do right now is not really a good thing. We have desires that are corrupt. We have desires that are not natural to us. And and God saying, um, you know, those we're not supposed to do. But in the truth of who we are, you know, I want to be doing what I want to be doing. I don't want somebody dictating and telling me if I got to be where someone else wants me to be and I don't want to be there. I'm frustrated. I'm aggravated. That's the way I'm designed. Uh, that's the way God made me. That's the way God intends me to live. Um, but, uh, okay, sorry about the little pause or glitch here. I had a, I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, sometimes that happens when I'm trying to think too hard of what I'm trying to say next. But anyway, um, I'll try to get just back on track here. You know, God has, um, God does not have for humans an expectant will. There is no demand. There is no, I want you to do this thing you don't want to do. And that's my will. If you don't do it, I'm displeased with you. God is, that is so contrary to the nature of God. What God has his will for humans is that it's that you don't do these things. There's a thing, there's things God doesn't want us to do. And, um, and so, and the truth is when we are living in our natural true state, <clears throat> the things we don't want to do anyway, they're only a temptation to do when we have a corrupted, um, system, when we have a corrupted mind and therefore we then desire things that actually aren't, aren't natural at all. The things we really don't want to do. They only have appeal to us because we're under the power of sin. And I'll explain that later. Next episode, we're going to go into it. I'm going to tell you about the nature of sin, what we call the sin nature. I'm going to tell you what that really is, what it means to really be under the power of sin. I'm going to make some really cool sense out of things. It's super exciting to think of what I'm, you know, going to share possibly in the next episode. Um, but for now, just know, you know, God does not have, God's will is essentially this. This is what God is saying. He's saying, this is what I want out of you. There's two things. Uh, <clears throat> he's, go, he's saying, I want you to be yourself. This is very important. This is, I want you to be the person I created, that he made. He wants us to walk in the truth of who we are 24-7. He never wants falsehood to come out of us. He never wants lying. You know, when a scripture talks about lying, it's rarely talking about the actual, yes, it, at times it can be referring to our actual physical lies. We lie to get out of trouble. We lie to, um, you know, to avoid discomfort. That's not really the lies God's dealing with that he's so aggravated about. The lies of humans, the lies that utterly he despises, the lies he's speaking of in a book of Revelations when he says, whosoever speaketh and the, you know, they're cast in a lake of fire, whoever were, loveth and maketh a lie. It's the lie of humans to pretend we're something that we're not. It's living a life that is contrary to the truth that God made. And therefore, we're, we're living a life. It's really a life of effort. We're always putting forth our mental effort to 
put on this persona for the sake of God and for the for, sa- for the sake of others to let people believe we're something that we're really not and try to take credit that's not really ours. You know, God hates that. God is saying, I, I mean, think of this. He's a creator. He did a perfect job with his creation. He doesn't need us pretending to be something we're not. So think of that. He has a rightful will to say, don't pretend. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't lie to your neighbor. Don't try to act like you're all these things that I know you're not. You know, quit pretending. And so he says, don't pretend. And then he also says, do not do things that afflict the peace of others. Do not do things that destroy the contentment of others. You respect the rights of your neighbor. You respect the rights of your brother. You respect the rights of those you share this planet with. You don't go disturbing their peace. They have a right to a planet that's that's uncorrupted. Don't you go corrupting this planet through your greed because you have some inner lust you need satisfied. Don't go uh, disturbing the peace by being obnoxiously loud just because you want attention. You want the world to know you exist. Don't disturb the the... The, the beauty of this world by accumulating all this junk that you think you've got to have. You really don't got to have, but you, 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 you want it to, to satisfy this inward lust that, that consumes you. So God's will is simply, it, it's really, it's, it's a good will. It, he, he wants to see his brother, his children get along to not afflict one another, to live a life that is totally unoffensive to each other. And he wants us to not pretend and both those things are built into us. They are totally natural on one hand. Um, the only reason it's not natural for us right now is because we're under condemnation. I'll explain that in the next episode of how condemnation creates us, makes us liars. It makes us put on this false face. It makes us live this life of lust that causes us to you know, always be needy, needy, needy and greedily consuming things from the world and sucking the life out of those around us and frustrating one another and doing things that, that cause grief to each other. God hates that. Hates it, hates it, hates it. And so he created you for the sake of bringing him pleasure. He created you for the sake of bringing him joy. Looking at your life and watching you live as he created you and enjoying the person he made but instead he looks at someone and he, he created you to watch you get along with your brothers and your sisters. And, um, hold on. I got a phone call coming that I do have to take. So let me pause for just a second. Okay. Sorry about that. I did have to take that call. Um, I usually keep my phone with me, but keep it on silent when I'm recording. And, um, in that instance, it happened to be someone calling that I did need to take the call. It's my son. Um, he has some car issues and I was afraid he was on the side of the road, broken down or something. He's not. Everything's okay. It was about his car, but uh, at least he's not currently on the side of the road. And so some time has elapsed since <clears throat> um, uh, I broke this off. I talked to him for a while and then took a little walk in the field to kind of just think for a little bit. And so we're back now. So there may be this awkward transition, but I'm going to try to make it as smooth as possible and uh, try to recall where we were. Um, and so I think um, I just, well, I re-listened to everything up to this point. And so um, where I was at, I know I was talking about just, you know, God essentially does not have uh, an active will. He does not have an expectant will in a sense of, I want you to do these things that are contrary to you. I want you to make an effort to, you know, to serve me by fulfilling these outward things he needs. No, we're not here to accommodate any needs of God. We're simply here as humans to, to satisfy God's desire for joy by watching our life and watching us live as the people he created and watch us live as brethren, getting along with one another, living a life of no offense to each other. 
where nobody offends another through an action that takes away from someone else what is rightfully theirs. And so there is no frustration. There is no anger. There is no, because there's no contradiction between, you know, I have a will. I want, you know, there's things, I just want you to respect my stuff. And so it's a very reasonable request. Respect what is mine. Please respect what is mine. And when you do that, my heart toward you is going to be grand. Um, and we're going to get along just wonderful. But because uh, you're doing my will. My will is not for you. Don't come. I'm not saying come mow my lawn. I'm not asking you to come paint my house. I'm not asking you to, to do anything to accommodate my own, you know, ego. My my heart for, 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 for the people I share this planet with is just please, please don't take what is mine. Respect what is mine. Respect the peace and quiet of, 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 the, of the neighborhood. Respect, you know, the roads. Don't be dumping your trash out. Oh, we live on a country road in, oh my, in Oklahoma, and it's just all the time people use us as a dump. And it's like, please don't do that. You know, respect our right to drive down a road that's not littered in, in, in people's junk. Uh, and so, so when people are not doing that, my will, you know, the will I have a right to, um, then, then there's frustration, there's grief, there's anger. The only thing in my life though is I have to endure that. I do not have the authority to, you know, um, if I was being honest and I had all authority and I had all power and I had no accountability to anyone higher up above me, there's no law threatening me. There's no, you know, the people in this world who, um, afflict me and who do these things that are contrary to my rightful will, you know, I'm going to be honest, let's just, you know, get rid of them and you can take that any way you want to. Let's not, let's not say kill them. Cause that would sound, you know, people would think, Oh, it's so ugly. But let's just say, you know, we're going to evict them from the planet earth. We're going to send them to the moon. Okay. I have no problem saying, get them out of here. Okay. That you're offending me. You're, you're not cooperating. You're not doing what's good, right, and reasonable. And you're causing me grief. You're not doing the will that I have a right to. This is a, a, a good will, a right will. And you're not you know, fulfilling my will. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to not dump your trash at the side of my road. I'm asking you to not neglect your, get an animal and then neglect it and leave it out for, you know, for, for us to have to look at, you know, the thing that you're neglecting. Don't, um, you know, just don't, don't, don't go being excessively loud. Yes, we all, you know, got to run equipment. We got to make noise at times. But, but don't be just noisy, just to be noisy, you know, respect it, you know, sometimes just quiet is nice. Um, and so, but when people don't do these just reasonable, good things, you know, in my heart, you know, I don't have the authority to do this. Give me the authority and give me all power. Give me no accountability to anybody higher up. And then it's like, you know, you're out of here. Let's, like I said, ship you off to the moon. But here's the difference. And so, but, but for me, I don't have all authority. I don't have all power. I am under the will of God. And I got to trust that. I got to trust that even in my afflictions, even when people are doing things that are, you know, contrary to my will, my rightful will, or we may call it a righteous will, even when they're doing things that are contrary, I got to trust God that, you know, he is still good and he is using those things. And it's, it's certainly been proven true in my life. He uses those things over and over again to, to, to further, you know, teach me. And it's a way of me, I become aware, even personally, it's like, ooh, I become aware how I'm offending others and didn't even know it when other people offend me. When people do things that are contrary to my will, I, I take note and I go, oh, you know, I got to be, you know, I want to be 
alert of that. And, and, and I, want, I start to notice in my own life where I'm doing those things. I'm being a hypocrite. And so God draws attention to that. And so he's, you know, he's changing my heart all the time. The more I get afflicted, the more my own heart changes towards others. And I become, I think, less of an offense to my neighbors by my own affliction. So for me, though, I don't have authority to, you know, to zap people off the planet. Um, I got to trust in God. He's using these things and I got to respect his authority that he's the final judge. He's the final one. He will do what is right when it's all said and done. He knows whether a person is doing something, um, against my will because they're just ignorant or because they're just, you know, they're under some coercion They're they're under some, you know, the power of sin. For one thing, it's kind of like having a gun to your head to some degree. And, and so he understands that. And so he knows when to have mercy. He knows when it's just for my good. And he knows when to judge and when to do what's right. Um, and he's always doing what's right. And I got to trust that. And I, I'm going to live under his, uh, even when though I'm still frustrated by what's happening, I can at the end of the day say, yes, but I will accept this. And I will, you know, trust in a good hand, the righteous judgment of God. But God, think about, has no higher authority. He has no accountability. He has no power. No one's going to tell him that, you know, he did the wrong thing. And no one's going to accuse him for doing uh, as he wishes. And so God um, has the power for those that are not doing his will. What is doing truly good and right? God does have the power to evict and say, get off my planet. And that, you know, we're speaking of death. It's just taking away the gift he originally gave just back to where, you know, you cease to exist. And that's not saying there won't be a form of judgment. I am not a believer in eternal torment. Okay. I I just, that's contrary to everything, you know, God is saying and everything about him being right and fair, but it's not, um, so I have no belief in that. I I don't think in any way, shape or form is what scripture is trying to say, but I do believe. And if somebody is knowingly and blatantly offending someone aware of what they're doing and they, you know, do it just blatantly that, you know, there will be accountability. There will be judgment. There will be, but it'll be just, it'll be right. There will be restoration. Um, and whatever that's going to look like, I don't know, but I know he will do what's right. And so I'm going to leave that in his hands. Um, but anyway, God does have, you know, the authority. He does have the authority to set evict with death. And there's no reason to think he's not going to do that. There's no reason to think that God um, is going to endure grief. I got to endure grief because I'm under the hand of God. I endure grief as one of his students, as a child listening and learning. God's not has no learning to do. God is not going to endure grief to his heart. And so when someone is causing him grief and not doing his will, um, you know, there, there's going to be a day of he's going to, you know, the, the eviction will take place. He will say, you know, get off my land, get out of my space. You will not be here causing me aggravation. You're not going to do that. Um, and so, and, and that's essentially then, so what sin, why sin is death is the wages of sin. It is just simply the result of not doing his will, bringing him frustration. And God's not going to be frustrated. There's no reason for it. Let's think of it like this. Um, imagine you own a house, okay? And not just one house, you own houses, several houses around it. And you choose, you know, one of your houses is vacant and you choose just out of the goodness of your heart, you pick a family and you say, Hey, would you like to come live? You know that they need a place to live. Would you like to come live in my house? Uh, it's next to me. And then you say, but here are, you know, the things I desire. This is all I ask for. I ask that you just simply, you know, respect my peace, respect kind of my space, uh, do not trash my house. Please take care of it. I'm not asking you to pay for just you know the things that are my responsibility. 
since it's my house. But I am asking you to do basic, just don't let it fall apart. Don't do things to hurt it. Don't let, um, j- just take care of it. Reasonable care of the place and be respectful of the other neighbors. Don't let your kids, you know, your kids are going to play. That's fine. And they're going to make noise, but don't let them be, you know, obnoxiously loud. Don't if you have a dog, take care of it. Don't leave it out to bark all night and disturb everybody. And so these are all reasonable requests, right? There's nothing I'm saying that's unreasonable, especially since I'm giving them the place to stay. Um, and so you would think the heart then would be, you know, there would be a heart of gratitude. There'd be a heart of honor towards the owner of the house. And of course, you know, in this metaphor, allegory, whatever we call this, the uh, <clears throat> God is the owner. He, he's the one who's, and, and the planet Earth is, and life is, you know, inviting us in to, to be his guest. But instead, you know, and so you'd think there'd be honor. You'd think there would be respect. There'd be immediate, um, you know, recognition. This person is really kind. We, and there'd be a heart, not only just to, you know, um, you don't think it would be a chore for them to be careful to watch your behavior you think it'd be a joy because they would be saying you know i want to do his will because look he's allowing us to stay here but instead what you see is these people instead of you know honoring you for what you did and, and um and having a respect and and holding you in high regard they totally show disregard and everything you ask them to do that's reasonable they violate they get a dog, they leave it out on a chain, it barks all the time, disturbs every other neighbor that, that's living in the other houses you, you've given these people to. Their kids come out just ah! every day, just obnoxious screaming with, with no control. And, and you know, they start to let the house deteriorate. Uh, they start letting all the weeds grow up around it that, you know, they, they have the means of taking care of it and they're just, they're, they're neglecting everything. Um, every good thing they bring in junk, they're just starting to junk up the yard with just their greed of stuff they got to have. And so they start, you know, filling a house with just useless junk and it starts to have its own toll on a property. And so the owner sees us and, you know, he's first, he's patient. He goes, says, Hey, you know, is there something wrong? Is there something I can help with What's going on here? Uh, you know, maybe there's something he doesn't understand. And, um, but you know, when he finds out that you, and, and, he goes and says, listen, I, I can't have you, you know, stay in here uh, if you're if you're going to do this. Well, then the people, you know, they shape up. But uh, but but then he notices, you know, he goes that the kids are being rowdy. And so he he um, but he watches the mom go up to him one day and say, hey, you know, we got to be quiet. And uh, the kids, well, why do we got to be quiet? Well, because that man, he's going to make us. We got to obey his rules. Or we'll be kicked out. You know, you still you see absolutely no heart. There is absolutely no heart connection between, you know, the man, he wanted you in his house. He wanted to know you. He wanted there to be a relationship. And yet all there is, is from your, the other person's perspective is despising. He's making us do these things that we don't want to do. And, um, you know, it's a hardship on them instead of it being, you know, you think it'd be an honor even to, even though it's kind of, let's say it's contrary to their nature, you know, their natural desire is maybe to be loud. There is, but it would seem like an honor to say, wait, but if he, out of the kindness of his heart, brought us in you know we can make this effort we can sure give it our best shot to do because what he's asking for is not unreasonable it may be a little bit hard for us because our other our nature is gravitates towards that behavior but you know what we can make the effort because he's been really good to us and you would see a heart of relationship you'd see a desire from their part of honor but there's none of that instead you know they try to keep the rules they try to maybe do better but you see in them they despise you they're utterly there's no gratitude there's no heart and then on top of that they still you know they are still letting their dog bark a little too much and so let me ask you this what are you gonna do 
You know, you're God. You have no higher authority. You have no one to answer to. No one's going to accuse you. You know, the, the media is not going to get on you and, and, and try to, you know, accuse you of not doing the right thing. Um, and so you, you are all authority. You, um, you are the top, the end of the line of authority. You know, are you really going to let them stay there? Or are you going to say, get out of my house? You know, it's time for you to go. I brought you in out of the goodness of my heart. You've done nothing but despise me and show me disregard the entire time you've been here. Okay. Um, you know, I know what I'm going to do. We can pretend. Now, see, we, we pretend. Some of us think it would be a right thing to endure grief. It'd be a proper thing to just withstand. It is for us to a certain degree because we are under God's, you know, we, we, we only have so much authority. But I'll be honest, if I own the house, you know, then that does give me a degree of authority. If even as a child of God trying to learn from him, if some if I own the property somebody was and I own had control of the situation, I'm gonna use my control to restore peace. Those people are gonna go. Well, with God, I mean, they're definitely going to go. And that's what death is. It's God saying, absolutely not. You're bringing grief. You've disturbed the peace. You're disturbing the peace of everyone else around you. You are, you have no right to be here. And therefore, we have the wages of sin in a sense of physical death. We understand this is why, you know, it's simply God. He's not going to, he created, he invited you into that house for pleasure for his sake. He wanted to watch your kids play. He wanted to watch you interact with your dog and, and, and enjoy your dog. He wanted to watch you enjoy the house and be a family. He wanted them to have that, re- you know, he wanted to be able to look over the fence and you people not be annoyed. And he, he wants, but he wants to you know you're welcome to look over his, he wants a relationship. He invited you because he wanted to know you. He wanted to be your friend and all you're showing is contempt for him in his goodness. And there's not a, there's not a heart in you showing anywhere that, Hey, I want to know you in return. There's nothing returned towards him. And so what else, you know, would, would he do except say, you know, this relationship is over. It's time for you to go. I'm not going to endure the grief. You're not what I'd hoped for. The reason I, you know, brought you into this life, the reason I created you, what I had hopes for is not coming to pass. And what I'm asking for is not unreasonable. It's perfectly right. It's perfectly good. And, um, and so, you know, and so then there, God says, you know, when the day of judgment comes, death comes, you know, there's a judgment and it's, you know, no, your time is up. Your, 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 your journey, your, your little bit of gift of life is being taken back. Um, and that's all it is. And so, and yes, there could still be judgment. If somebody, you know, they did things knowingly, they did things aware, not talking the sins that people commit because they're just under the power of sin. They're under the power of condemnation and need. There's a lot of things that happen in the world. People really, they have control over, but yet they're very ignorant of. And the many things I've done in life, very ignorant of what I was doing until God was a faithful father and taught me and showed me. And so I don't think there's going to be a lot of judgment um, in the sense of those ignorant sins. I think he will bear the weight of that. He will bear, you know, whatever restoration needs to take place. But, um, but I don't believe for my sin, just, you know, if there was just contempt, if there was just blatant disregard, knowing what I was doing and still doing it and hurting and offending somebody, knowing they were being offended. I don't, you know, I, I do believe there would be not just death, but a judgment, a justice for the victim, you know, to, to be satisfied, knowing that God's not just overlooking and neglecting the suffering they went through, that God takes that serious. Um, and so, and this is what we have, you know, with, um, with God. And this is all sin is. I say it's all sin is, um, uh, well, I think I already went through that. Um, kind of primarily sin is just not doing the will of God. And then we get specifically sin is, um, 
you know, doing things that steal from others what is rightfully theirs and it disturbs the peace it's doing things it's not loving your neighbors yourself it's um causing affliction to others and grief to others and it is not being true to ourselves it's not walking in the truth of who we are um that's kind of really the two top forms of sin it's not being true to ourselves and it's not respecting what rightfully belongs to another um and so and and so when we do that, those things, we are not doing his will. We are causing grief. There is a contradiction and God's not going to endure it. There's just, he has nothing to prove to anybody. As I said, we do, we think at times it's the right thing to do to endure grief. And it is when we can't help it. But even as I said, in my life, if I have authority to, to shut that down, the thing that's causing me grief and change that situation, I'm going to change it. My acceptance is when I have no power. I'm not going to go out of things that are outside my realm of authority and try to take authority that's not mine to, you know, to get people to behave in a way I want them to behave, even though, you know, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. That's not my authority. I got to accept in those times the righteous judgment of God of his being a father to me and teaching me through that and learning and being willing to accept that. Um but God doesn't have to do that. God is the, you know, this is his show. This is his earth. This is his, he, for his purpose. And his purpose is joy and pleasure. And when we're not fulfilling that, if we're working contrary to that, um, you know, I know Christianity as it's taught today, uh, this, this, what I'll call a false version of Christianity. It's simply saying basically the opposite. Hey, we don't have to do his will. God just wants us here. Basically, God worships humans. God is a super needy, needy man who's just so desperate to have people around him that he's willing to tolerate all this nasty behavior. And, and he's willing to not only tolerate, he's going to actually, you know, take it upon himself, all the suffering, um, all the punishment for it. Or all He's just going to endure it. And he's going to keep paying all the, every time you break a window in his house through neglect, he's just going to keep repairing it and smiling. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I don't know where this nonsense came from. You know, it's not in scripture. It's not anything to teach that, that God's just going to, that God worships humans and just so badly wants him alive that he's willing to endure whatever, you know, that they go through just to keep that. He just wants to keep them alive at all costs. That's just not at all what's going on there in the pages of Scripture. That, that is not the story. That is not why Christ came to just allow people to do their own will. Uh, Christ came, it was part of helping a powerless man who couldn't do the will of God to actually be able to do the will of God. It was not a provision of, of, of God just ignoring people's, you know, boldly rejecting the will of God and boldly doing knowingly what God they know God does not want them to do there, there's it's just that has nothing to do with, with what is going on in scripture that has nothing to do with what God is saying it's only <clears throat> in people's imagination they picture God like that he's just willing to keep tolerating all you're doing your own thing and not diligently hearkening to his voice and doing his will you know um, it's only in your imagination does such a God like that exist he knows what he wants he created you for his pleasure and joy and if you're not accomplishing that if you're doing the opposite of that, rest assured, death is going to be your outcome. And, and not only then is, you know, the false version of Christianity not going to help you on that day. It's going to, you know, how, imagine the people in this house that, that, you know, they're at the kindness of this man who's letting them live in this house and brought them in and is paying all expense and, 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 and doing all good to them, just wants to know them. And they despise this man to the point of not only you know, they, they hear that they're going to get evicted 
and they understand, oh, we're going to get evicted in a year. Man, that stinks. But then someone comes and tells them, oh, wait, 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 wait. You know, yeah, you're going to be evicted, but here's the good news. This is the great news. Yes, you're going to be evicted for your bad behavior. But, <coughs> excuse me, if you'll just, you know, God, this man loves you so much and wants you to stay in his house so much that he's actually going to evict his son who is doing his will. He's going to evict the son out of his house. And then he's going to count that eviction as your eviction. And, and, and so you get to stay put. If you'll just believe in the son, in his eviction, then you get to stay and, and just, you know, keep on. That's how much this owner loves you and wants you in his house, you know. And think of those people, how nasty it would be. Really? Wow. Okay, we believe that. And so they, they actually, you know, they're willing to see this owner still go through grief. They're willing to say, wow, our sins are forgiven. And um, all all the wrong things we're doing against him are forgiven. And yet, they, you know, it's they're, they're, they're rejoicing in the fact they're not being evicted. And there's no shame in that, you know, but where there should be shame that this own, the kindness of this man, the, the goodness of this person. And here we are, you know, do, not doing what the simple things he asked for. Um, and so, uh, and so I'm not really advocating living righteously by a law. That's not what I'm, uh, is going on here. We'll, we'll get more into that later. But I am certainly saying, yes, our, um, what I'm saying is God is not, he, he's not a sappy God. He's not worshiping humans. He doesn't need man. Okay. It's not need. It wasn't like, oh, I just got to have some friends. I got to, it wasn't need. It was desire. It was something he wanted. It was something he wanted. He's already content. He's already fulfilled. He wanted to enjoy his contentment. He wants to enjoy his fulfillment even further. And he wants to share. He wants relationship. He wants people to know and, and creates man to, to, to know him only then to find out, you know, that they, they really have no interest in knowing him in return. They want no relationship. They simply want to inhabit his goodness without, you know, any accountability towards him, without any thought, any regard towards him. Um, and that's just simply, you know, it, it's just not going to work. It's only in people's imagination is there such a God. This God is incredibly good. He's incredibly um, wise. He's incredibly, you know, merciful. He understands when, when, when we're compelled to do things. He understands when there's a gun to our head. He understands when need compels us to do things we don't really want to do, but we just see no way to not, uh, to avoid doing that thing. You know, there's mercy in those situations, but, but God, you know, us just totally ignoring his will, the fact he has a will at all, and just trying to to use Christianity, to use any religion as a means of, of clearing our conscience for not doing his will, when we really have no intention, no heart to seek him with all our heart to find out, what do you want? You you created me. You created me for a purpose. What do you want? Um, and so I guess I go in and say, that's essentially, you know, I was going to talk about repentance and that's essentially what repentance is. It's the day of coming to a place of, it's kind of recognizing that, oh, I am created by somebody very good. And I was created for a purpose. And it's actually turning to God with, you know, ut the utmost of carefulness, the utmost of what do you want out of me? It's knocking on his door. It's not just saying, God, I'll, I'll do your will if you come tell me exactly what to do. Or if I'm doing wrong, if you'll come correct me, um, you know, then I'll try to straighten up. Uh, I'll try. Repentance is none of those things. Repentance is, I am created to do your will. 
you know, you, you, you gave me this life. I am a guest at your house and it's actually seeking God. It, it's an actual act of diligent seeking, a diligent knocking at his door saying, Hey, what do you want out of me? It's coming to him to actually learn what he desires and it's paying attention. And even though your nature may be contrary to what he's asking for, you're going to fight with all that's in you. You're going to extend the effort. You're going to work righteousness to, you know, there's places in scripture where people are praised for working righteousness. It doesn't save you. Okay. It will not do anything to set you free from condemnation, but what it does do, it reveals a heart that you really do care about the desires of the one who created you. It says, Hey, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be pleasing. I don't want to be grief causing to you. I want to cause you to smile. You know, this, you, this is a pretty cool thing, this being alive. And I want to, I am gracious. I am grateful. And I want to make sure that the reason you created me is really being, um, you know, fulfilled. I want to make sure I am accomplishing that. So you seek God. It's not some passive just, oh, um, okay, God, you come find me if you want something. It's you knocking at his door it, 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 and it's being careful. It, 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 it's a, a walk of God, you know, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Um, and so that, 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 that's what, you know, repentance and repentance always then precedes the coming into Christ. God, when we bring someone into Christ, that's a, that's a fruit of repentance comes first and it prepares the heart then for God to bring that person into Christ and to give them, you know, Christ is in the fulfillment of all God's will, all the will, everything God wants out of man is in Christ. Um, but it begins with that man first, his own heart turning, not saying, oh, God, I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to, you know, so I better be good. Show me how to be good. It's, 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 a, it's a turning towards him. It's a turning towards, um, it's not trying to escape punishment. It's not trying to, um, you know, be a good person. You know, a lot of people try to repent out of just, I'm such a terrible person. I keep doing these things. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with a heart for God. It's a total, just simply, you feel guilty. You feel condemned and you want to feel less condemned. It has nothing to do with, hey, what about you, God, you know? And that's what repentance is. Repentance is, it's a, it's a heart turns and says, God, you know, I'm not just waiting for you to come to me. I'm knocking at your door. What do you want out of me? What you created me? What is your pleasure? What is your joy? And when he reveals that, it's a, even though it's contrary to our sinful effort, there's a, there's a carefulness. Okay. You know, this talking just yet, yet, you know, um, speaking, just talking, just a talk. And God says, Hey, I want you, you know, there, there's the multitude in the multitude of words, there's sin, you know, it's just not good to be a person it's just walking around. Yak, 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 just hear themselves talk all day. And as soon as God reveals that to a heart, you know, then there's a carefulness. No, my nature is I got, because I'm under condemnation, I've got to be heard. I want to be worshiped. I want people's attention. So I want to talk, 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 but wait, God, you're saying there's something in that that's not good. I don't even understand that yet. What could be wrong, but you know what? My mouth isn't going to open unless I know what I'm saying is of you and it's good and it's fruitful. And so, Lord, you know, I'm going to extend the effort. I'm going to work righteousness and that and I'm going to be careful. I'm not just going to move. I'm not going to go to the store and just buy something just because I'm itching. It's going to be carefulness. Lord, is this pleasing in your sight? Is the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, is it acceptable in your sight? Oh, Lord. That's repentance. And it's not something that comes and goes throughout the day. It dictates your entire life because there's such a carefulness. And that carefulness comes from a gratitude. The carefulness comes from a recognition of who he is, your creator. 
and that he has a will for you. And it's a commitment. I will do this, even if I got to be careful. Because my, my nature is defiled and it makes it where I want to do these things. You don't, you don't want me to do these things and I clearly do want to do them. But you know what? I'm going to be careful not to. I'm going to extend every bit of effort and concentration that it's required. It's not going to save you. It's not going to uh, free your conscience. It's not going to, but what it's going to do, it's going to open a door. It's going, it's going to be a revelation of your heart towards him. And it's going to be a revelation that, hey, God, to God, I do want to know you. I do want this clear conscience. I want between me and you there to be nothing, nothing that, is, that, that, that I'm ashamed of. I want there to be an open door between me and you. And then out of that, you know, God can then... Um, you know, begin to move. And then he's going to begin to bring you into Christ. You know, he can't move in your life without, he can't give you something you really don't want. And what, you know, the gift of God really is, it's, it's a gift of knowing God. It's a gift of a relationship. It's a gift of, of, of him being present inside you. You know, until there's an acknowledgement on your part and expression, hey, I want this. God can't give you something you don't want. That's not a gift. There must, and so if he tries to thrust it upon you, here, I want to be in your life. I want to be a part of your life when, and you know, and there's no expression from you that you want it. He, he's kind of being unrighteous. He, he's forcing himself and you into your world and he's not going to do that. So he waits until there's an expression. He waits until there's a heart showing, Hey, I want to know you too. I will be careful when I'm in your presence and all that's doing. It's a, I will be careful to do what you desire doesn't save us, but it's a testament to God. It's a token of our heart and it's a, a permission for God to then say, okay, Hey, I'm going to then come and, and I'm going to move closer to you. Draw closer to God. He'll draw close to us. There needs to be a permission granted. He, cause he's righteous. He respects your time. He respects your life. He respects your space. And so he's not going to move towards you, you know, not, until you move towards him. No, nothing to do with ego. This is strictly, this is totally a, a part of him being a righteous God that he is and, and being a person who, who is respectful of other people's space and other people's um, lives. And so he needs that token. He needs that display. And that display is, Lord, I will be careful in your presence. I will be. And then God's going to bring you to this glorious, glorious road of walking with him until you understand that there's a day that comes. You're no longer careful in his presence because you understand he wants you in his presence as much as you want to be there. And there's a freedom he's going to give because he's going to actually provide you with a righteousness that you you understand is permanent upon you that can't ever leave you. And it's going to give you a confidence in his presence and a confidence in his, um, you know, that, that there'll be no falsehood. There'll be no fakery. There'll be no pretending. There'll be no carefulness anymore. He will set you free from that. And he'll be glad and thrilled to do so. But he can't begin that work until repentance begins first. I said, Christianity is not repentance. Asking Jesus in your heart so you can get by with not doing his will. Even though I know some say, well, I, I do, I no, that's not why I come to Jesus. Then I do the will of God and I still try. And, um, but at the core of it, it's, Hey, you know, I'm set free from when I don't do his will. It's not a commitment. Christianity is not a commitment to say, God, I will seek you. It's to say, well, I can now not seek God with all my heart and kind of get by with it. And I have my conscience clear, but it's going to do nothing to really clear your conscience. You're still living with the fruit of condemnation. You're still living in the fruit of that miserable world of condemnation. But for those who approach God, you know, 
they will then later receive the clear conscience. They come to him boldly, knocking on his door. What do you want out of me? And they are committed. It's not, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do your will today. It's God, I will not budge unless I know what I am doing is acceptable to you and pleasing to you. That's why you brought me here is to bring you joy and pleasure. And by golly, I will do that. Then you have repentance. And then you have the door open where God will bring you into his son. God will bring you into Christ, into the salvation that's in Christ, into real salvation. Not this artificial, just we're believing something, trying to apply this uh, truth to us. And we're always trying to force ourselves to believe it because it really does nothing for us. It just, it's something we've been told and we try to believe it. Well, when God does the work and brings you into Christ, (laughs) there's no trying to believe anything because it's it's a real work. You'll, You'll know when your conscience is clear and you'll know the difference of life versus death being in you. But we'll get into all that later. Um, <clears throat> there's a little more I want to say. I want to go into, oh, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ being the judge of the living and the dead. And the only reason for that was for uh, the sake of, oh, I know I'm getting a little longer here and I want to be, so I'm trying to decide if I should go into this now or go ahead and wait. Um, let me go ahead and go into this now. And if I decide what I may do is cut this into two different parts and, um, and we'll enter into this section as part two, but I want to leave it all connected to the very first, what I'm calling the first episode. I want to talk to you about Jesus being a judge of the living and the dead. And the reason of this is kind of to instill, you know, God does not manipulate and he's not going to try to get what he wants through fear. But at the same time, you know, part of God's work in my life when he was calling me and, and, and providing and drawing me and working in my life, part of it was a bit of fear was, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, a day came where God just shoved it up on my heart. Jason, you're going to stand before your creator one day and you're going to give account. And that was just like a totally new revelation. Even though I'd heard about the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment of God my whole life, it just never really crossed my mind of standing before him to give account for my life. And so, uh, but when the day came, you know, there was fear and trembling. It was, oh my goodness, God, and you're going to search into me and you're going to know every part of me that's false and fake and, and everything I lie, every lie I try to present to you and say, well, I, every excuse I give God, he's going to know is an excuse. And it just suddenly terrified me and it made me begin to cry out for truth. It made me begin to cry out, Lord, give me a clean heart. I mean, really to become my prayer, Lord, create me a clean heart. It became my prayer. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. And it wasn't like just, you know, a momentary for one day and then I'm back to my old way of life. You know, it just changed me. It, it was it was with me forever. It was let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart. I became a very silent person. I didn't engage in a lot of just busy chit chat because my mind was always going ahead of my mouth, making sure, examining with caution, God, is this really okay to say these things? And if I didn't feel, you know, that voice of approval, that it was good and acceptable, you know, you just, I kept quiet. Um, I had a fear. I had a real fear of God, a a good fear. It, It was very pleasant, but it was a fear. There was a trembling. There was an understanding that he was the determiner of my fate someday. I would stand before him and and so the fear was not a bad thing. So I don't want to try to manipulate anyone of fear here, but I do want to give you a, a, a little bit of a perspective of Jesus being the judge of the living and the dead. We see that in scriptures a couple of times. We'll see it in Acts a few times mentioned, and we see it in the book of John of Jesus, you know, stating how he is, 
He's the one who's going to judge between the living and the dead. <clears throat> and I just want to talk to you for a second what that's about. Um, to give you a little clearer picture of what's going to happen. Um, because we, you know, we, we live with no fear of judgment, especially since, you know, there's a false version of the gospel that, that, that permeates this world and it's affected, you know, Christianity is the, is what I'd call the, the root, the, the, the Christianity is it's spread throughout the world right now. You know, I consider it to be the kind of, I don't know, maybe the, the, the main root, uh, but then all these other religions spring out of that. You know, there's just this, there's no fear of God. There's just no fear of judgment. Christianity has said, basically, God worships you so much. He, you are the center of his universe. He just wants you so badly that, you know, he'll tolerate anything. Just all you got to do is, you know, ask Jesus as your savior, forgive you of your sins, and just make a decent effort. You know, do your best. We're still sinners. You'll never get it right. You'll never do the will of God perfectly. Um, you know, and, and so there's, and people believe this out of their greedy, lustful hearts. And, and there's no fear of God. And then out of that lack of fear because of this false doctrine that came, and it came by the will of God. Uh, we'll maybe get into that later. It's, it's by the will of God, this false doctrine exists. But out of that, then, you know, I believe Islam. I believe that um, in any other religion, you know, of all the versions of Christianity that, that, that kind of are just so, you know, they're careless. It's a very careless thing for a man to, to speak up and call to be, himself to be God's prophet and to lie to the world. I'm sure he had some delusion going on there. Okay. But, you know, so we have, we have, uh, Islam comes out the reason because this man did not fear and tremble before God because somewhere he was tainted be my guess by there was just a spirit of no fear of God anymore on a planet which came with when God allowed for a tainted version of a gospel to go forth and so it affects and so men get emboldened and they get emboldened to claim to be a prophet of God you know with no fear no trembling and so every religion out there right now is rooted in this this carelessness this no fear of God and men proclaiming this and that with no sense of, of trembling before God. Um, now I got to get back on track here because I was talking about the um, I'm trying to how this ties in. That oh, but so so men, you know, no one has a thought of basically of judgment. It's just there's no such thing. God loves us, and He's just going to do whatever it takes, you know, to keep us in His presence. And there's just no fear or trembling. There's no sense of judgment. Um, but I want to let you know. I mean, specifically what Scripture means when it talks about Christ being a living a dead judge of the living and the dead, and especially in relationship to the idea of doing works. Um, what I talked about just a little bit ago, how when a person repents, they actually do work righteousness. They are careful because they have a corrupted nature that, 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 that is uh, contrary to the, to the desires of God. We have to be careful. We have to apply effort um, to, to do his will. And here's the funny thing, that actually application of effort is a sin. That's a crazy thing, and I'll have to get that to a later time. But at the same time, it is what reveals our heart towards God. It's needed because it reveals, it says, hey, I do care. I do want to be a part of this relationship. I do want to know you the way you want to know me. I'm in on this deal. And so, um, and, and so even though working works of righteousness are technically a sin, they are not against the will of God. It's kind of a lie of us. We're doing something. We're actually doing something on behalf of another that in a way we really, that's not true to us. 
we're pretending when we do works of righteousness because we're corrupt. Our natural nature is one of not doing his will. So we have to actually do a little bit of pretending to some degree, but it's not really pretending if your heart is towards him. You know, yes, it's work and it's effort and it's pretending, but it's pretending you're truly willing to do because you want to know him. You want to bring him pleasure with your life. Okay, and so, but there's the the idea of work and righteousness is really tainted because the world's, you know, there's this idea, we just, we, we're not saved by works. No, you're not saved by works. Okay, that's that's absolutely true. But, um, but prior, there is a season of working righteousness. And, and so, um, oh, I'm getting a little bit off track here. Please be patient with me. So let's just, let me just dive in. Let me just correct course here and just talk about what it really means. Just when Christ says he's the judge of the living and the dead. See, here's the problem. Since God wants me to be true to myself, um, he does not like pretending of any kind. When I do actually, let's say I do repent towards God and Lord, I want to do your will. I want to, I will work righteousness. Well, the problem with that is in my working righteousness, I am actually sinning against the truth of who I am. I'm still pretending a little bit for God. I'm saying, God, I want to do these things. And when I really, I do want to do them because I want to know him, but in my heart, you know, it's not natural. It's not my actual, just, you know, my natural spirit because I'm corrupted by condemnation. Well, so, so God can't actually, even if I try to repent and walk carefully before him, it's not really repentance because yes, I may be doing the right thing towards my neighbor. I may be careful to not offend others, but in the process of that, I'm violating the other form of his will. His will is for me to walk in the truth of who I am and to never pretend. That's iniquity. That is sin. That's and that's an evil in his eyes. And so even if I try to walk carefully before him, then he can't really condone those that careful walking. He can't honor that because that is still a sin. Even though he recognizes the heart of it is good, the actual fruit is still sin. It's still pretending. But see, Jesus came you know, and, and Jesus has been appointed to judge of the living and the dead. And this is all judgment. Men used to it used to be that men were going to go straight to the judgment seat of God and they would have been judged for their works. And that means, you know, um, you know, from the very start, since a man, once we do that first evil action against our neighbor, you know, we are determined we're, we're, our, our fate is sealed. God's saying, no, I won't allow that to go unchecked. But but when a man repents and says, hey, God, you know, I've been going the wrong way and I want to do what's right in your eyes. And he tries to turn. It, it, it doesn't, even though the man starts to work righteousness, it still doesn't undo it. God can't actually judge by the heart. God can't say, well, I see your heart and I'm going to now, you know, I'm going to undo my death sentence. I'm going to pretend that never happened. No, it did happen. You committed a crime and God's not going to, you know, he's a righteous judge. You did this. You know, the wages of the sin is death. I'm not going to leave you here, you know, in the presence of others when you have violated the will and rights of others. God takes that so serious. He loves liberty. He loves what's right and good. And when we don't do that, it is a very, 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 um, when we trample someone else, that's a very, very major offense in his eyes. And so it, our, even though working righteousness is recognized as a heart that, that it, rec- it shows a heart that we want what's right. We want to know him. We want to be in relationship with him. It doesn't undo any of our actual, you know, penalty that we've already incurred the righteous judgment of God. But see, Christ comes and there is no, you know, in no sin upon his death. 
God is able to judge him righteously and raise him from the dead. And then God appoints Christ as the judge of the living and the dead. And so from this point on, no man is going to go straight to the judgment seat of God. God, if that man goes to straight to the judgment seat of God, every man since Adam is doomed. Every man since Adam, except for Christ, would be doomed on that day of judgment. He would not have a chance. He's going to be judged by his works. And based on those works, God will give him death. But Christ, there's an exception here. Christ gets to judge by the heart. Christ really can judge a man. He, Christ walked in this earth. He knows what when a man is lying and when a man is telling the truth. Christ knows when a man can't help but sin because he's under you know some force, the power of sin. He, he's compelled to sin. And Christ understands when that man's lying. Christ knows when that man just get, did what God, displeased God simply because he wanted something in his own lust. Jesus can judge by the heart. And so salvation comes. Here's what happens. We, we appear before the judgment seat of Christ first. Every human is now appointed to stand before Christ. Christ then looks at a man and he looks at his life. He looks at the fruit of his life. He looks at the works of righteousness. He looks at the, the effort to do what was right unto God. And Christ can make a decision based on the heart. And Jesus can say, you're with me. I look at your heart. I see evidence that your heart was his. I see evidence that you were listening diligently to my father, that you were giving all effort to do what was right and good in his eyes. I see that. I am pleased with that. And now I take you, Jason Holman, I take you, whoever that he's pleased with, I receive you into me. And what happens is, and he's basically saying, I take you to be my bride. I take you as bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I take you to be one with me. And in that becoming one with Christ, he becomes our head. He becomes then the one who we're baptized into his death. We're received into his death as counted as our death. My judgment for my sins does take place in him. And I am then raised with Christ into life. I've been judged through the death of Christ and I've been raised into a new hope, a new life under the headship of Christ. And he's taking me forever. Jason, you are mine. And so now I do not have to appear before the judgment seat of God because my judgment happened in my death in Christ. My judgment happened inside of him. And since he received me, judged me by my heart and liked what he saw and said, yes, I take you. I am secure forever under the name of Christ, under in his household. But if Christ, a man comes to Christ and they, he deems him, he looks at the heart, he looks at the fruit of their life and he says, I see no effort. I see no heart towards your creator. I see nothing in you that you were trying to please my father. I see in you this time, you know, yes, you was under pressure to sin, but I walked under the same pressure and I withstood it. You know, you did what you did, not because you couldn't help it, but because you wanted to, because you despised the will of my father, because you despised the will of God. That's the only reason you did what you did. I get to judge you by your heart. And I see your heart is nasty and something I want no part of. And I do not receive you. 
And now that means you are cast in the outer darkness. And what that outer darkness is talking about here, when Christ talks about casting people in the outer darkness, it's not, you know, into hell. It's not into some death themselves. It's they got to bear the day of judgment. They got to stand before God on their own. And God is going to judge them by their works. Their heart, their efforts will mean nothing. The the works they did that were contrary to their neighbor, that was contrary to peace on earth, the works that were contrary to the will of God, all the lies they told, all the pretending they did to, to, to receive glory that was not theirs, they will give account for before their creator. And that is a terrifying thought. But for those who are judged in Christ, those who every man appears before Christ, but Christ does judge by the works. Christ will look at a man's heart. He will look at the man's effort of truly trying to do what was really right unto God. Not right because they wanted to be liked by society. Not trying to do the right thing because they didn't want to get in trouble with the law. Christ sees all that. You're not going to impress him at all. Christ is going to look at the heart. He's going to look. He's going to be able, even though your efforts are technically a sin that, that God can't approve, Christ can look at that and he can, he can judge you by that and see the effort and understand that effort represented a heart unto his father. And Christ who loves his father will respect and honor that heart and he will receive that person into his own body. And that person has inside of Christ has faced their judgment of death already. And they have been declared with Christ, you know, right and worthy of living again, worthy of life. And they will then receive life, you know, forever inside of Christ. And that is how Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. He will actually be the one who decides who lives, who dies. Those who he chooses because he looks at the fruit of their life and he is pleased, they will live inside of him. Those who he looks at and says, no, I see every lie. I see all the deceit that was in you. I see you're pretending to serve God when it was convenient. And I see you're despising his will when it was convenient. And, um, and he, and he will know the truth. He walked in the same body, same temptations you yourself experienced. Well, not exactly the same. There's some differences there. Um, but he, he does understand what it is to, he knows what it is to face the pressure of doing the wrong thing, but then choosing to do the right thing, even though it comes with effort, it comes at the cost of concentration. It comes at the cost of, of, you know, enforcing your own will to do so. He will see that. He will know that. Okay. So that is Jesus being a judge of the living of the dead. And I always say that it's not, I'm going to try to manipulate him by fear. I'm just trying to give you the whole story here because fear was a good part of God's call in my life. And I'm allowing it to go out. If God wants to use that for someone else, um, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will judge you by the heart. He will judge you by your works. He will judge you by the truth of who you really are and, and, and what the fruit of your life really is. And so that's how judgment has been given unto him. And that's a, that's a wonderful thought. And that's a terrifying thought. Um, and I just throw that out there to let God, if he wants to take it and set that in someone's heart, that um, he can do so um, and let that, you know, sink in. And, um, or if he doesn't want it to set in someone's heart, he can keep it from, you know, reaching their heart. That, that's all up to him. And so anyway, um, and so I think, you know, I don't know if I, I, I hope this was understandable. I hope you're getting the heart of what I'm trying to say. 
uh, of sin, just violating the will of God and why that leads to death and why, you know, that's right and that's good and that's proper. I wouldn't want a God who just let himself be trampled. That me, that's just really gross. It, 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 that he would just endure all, of, I'm just going to just let you guys, you know, do your own will, even though it frustrates me and upsets me. It's seriously, you got all power and authority and that's what you choose to do with it. You just let us, um, you really, man, I, I, I there's something very sad about that, <laughs> that, that God. And I'm glad to know that's not the God. I know that I know a God that it's going to guard his peace, guard his soul. He wants peace and joy and life in his soul. And that's only comes when man is doing that, which God designed us to do. Um, so in the next episode, what I'm going to get into is we're going to talk about the nature of sin, where it came from, this nature of condemnation. And, um, and how it's, you know, causes all the sin that, that does exist in this world, the root of it. Um, and so I think that'll be a pretty exciting episode because it's really, it's really, really cool to, to finally understand this. You know, you always hear we're under sin. We're under, well, why? What, what did Adam doing? How did Adam doing this affect us today? Um, and there's a clear answer for that. Um, and so I'd like to share that with you, hopefully within the next episode. And so, uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at, I think email should be saved from death contact at gmail.com saved from death contact at gmail.com. And if you want to direct link to this, uh, audio you're listening to right now where you can find the other episodes, it would be, there's no episodes right now. I've cleared everything from the past off. And so this is, should be the first episode. You want to find the additional episodes though, that will come later. It's saved from death.com is the web address. It'll take you to the, the, um, podcast host site. Um, I'm not sure what the proper word is for that. And you could find us, find me there. But you have a sincere question, feel free to ask, and um, I'll be glad to, yeah, I can't promise a typed out answer, but I may try to answer, you know, within a podcast episode, if that would be sufficient. It takes a long time, sometimes express things in writing, and I'm not real good at that. Um, So, but maybe we do it in an audible kind of fashion, if that would work. So, anyway, if you've listened this far, thank you very much, and and if, if you've listened and God's drawn your heart, that's a great thing, be an exciting thing. But that's between him and you. He's going to do. He knows what's best. He knows he's going to get what he wants. And um, and that, that's exciting to know. And if I get to play a part in that, that's great. And if this is just for me and for my own understanding and my own growth, that's great too. That's what's happened in the past with most of everything I've ever spoken. And I accept that. And I thank you, God, for it. So, Father, I leave this in your hands right now. You know, you want to use this. Um, you know, if somebody needs to... It, 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 just, you know, I think my heart would have gladly received these words years ago, and I would have been thrilled to finally find out that, you know, you do want me to walk carefully before you. You do want my heart to be expressed to you. Uh, I would have received that with all joy, waiting. My heart was hungry to hear someone say that. And so, um, Father, if there's anyone else out there, you know, waiting for these words, bring these words of life to them. Let them know that, yes, our heart does matter. That, you know, yes, working righteousness does matter when it's done unto you and truly to do, to, you know, because we don't want to bring you grief because we recognize your place of honor. Your place is a creator of all. We recognize we are guests in your house. We are guests in your, this is your show. We're here to do your purpose and your purpose isn't grievous. You didn't put anything upon us that's a burden. Lord, you're not asking for something that's contrary to our nature. You're asking what you've already provided inside our nature.
that brings us joy and life. The only reason it's not joy and life to us is because we have this condemnation. We have a desires that are not of you. And it makes it contrary when we want to do what's right. There's a pull to do what's wrong. But God, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to, in spite of that pull, to walk carefully before you, to show you, God, I want to know you. I want to be a part of your life as much as you want to be a part of mine. That is my expression. That is my token of, of, of my relation, of my heart towards you. I do want to know you. I do want you to abide in me. I do want you to be present in my life. I want you to be with me wherever I am. I want you there too. You are welcome. And if that means walking carefully on eggshells and so be it, I will do so. But thank you, God, for revealing to me years later that the righteousness you provided, that there are no more eggshells. There is no more days of being careful, but thank you for those days of being careful. And Lord, if you're going to call others into those seasons of repentance, that season of being careful before you, then so be it, God. Let it be done according to your will. I thank you, Father, because you are so good and so wise and so, and all you've taught is so awesome, and I can't wait to share more of it. Thank you, Father. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you at the next episode, savefromdeath.com.